Welcome to the Benzo Free Podcast, your home for an honest, straightforward, and personal discussion about anti-anxiety drugs, their effects, and how to deal with dependence and withdrawal. Whether you have taken benzodiazepines, Z drugs, or any other tranquilizers, know someone who has, or you just want help dealing with chronic anxiety and insomnia, this is your podcast. I'm your host, D.E. Foster, author of the book, Benzo Free, The World of Anti-Anxiety Drugs and the Reality of Withdrawal. I'm so glad you joined us today. Please stick around and let me bend your ear for a few minutes. It just might feel a little better on the other side. Hello there, this is Dee, and welcome to episode 123, that just rolls off the tongue, episode 123 of the Benzo Free Podcast, and I am so glad you joined us, as you might be able to tell, I don't know, I think I'm in a pretty good mood, I've been in a good mood lately, and I'd love to share that with you, because I'm not always <laughs> um, feeling good, or I'm in a wave, or, you know, my mood's not up, and... um and I like it when I can share that. I, I, for those of you that have subscribed to all our posts, you saw I, I posted a, um, a blog post yesterday about just um, taking a break. And I took a break in the rain, um, sat out on the porch when it was raining outside and just chilled for a while. Even though I have tons to do, I just stopped and did that. And it really helps. And um, I've been doing more of that. And I've been, I've also been reserving our, my weekends more for weekends for relaxation. I've been working um, majority of my weekends for like three years straight and, you know, trying to put this together and taking care of my folks and, um, all traveling back and forth and everything. And I'm trying to slow down that pace a little bit and actually allow that break for my wife and I to enjoy each other and the things around us and our friends and family and stuff. So we had a couple over for dinner on Saturday night. It went great, had a great time. I took some time for myself Sunday morning in the rain to just watch the squirrels. And that was great. Um, my attitude towards some of the medical tests I still got to do has really improved. I just have a better outlook and I don't know, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about things. I'm excited about what we're doing here. We got a lot coming up. I got to record a couple different things this week and you'll be seeing those coming out. There's so much happening in the Penzo community right now and I'm involved in like half of it. So it's just kind of crazy. Um, maybe not half of it. I know there's a lot more going on that I'm not part of, but anyway, all that to say, I just wanted to um, do this real brief intro and say, hey, um, one of the things I do want to mention really quick is I mentioned that peer support training program that we've been putting together through the Benzodiazepine Action Workgroup. We are launching our first full out, all out, and these are the paid courses, just so you know, these are paid courses, you have to pay a fee to take them, but our first all out course here in Colorado um, this June. So if you're interested, go check us out at benzopeertraining.org. Now this first class or two are Colorado residents only. And that is primarily because our group is funded mostly by um, by Colorado because we're a Colorado organization. But this course will be going national, so don't worry. Um, just the first couple classes, we need to make sure we start with a Colorado base. But then with our partners like Choices Training, we'll be teaming up with them to do more, more training throughout the country. And that'll be coming soon and be available to everybody in the U.S. So um, I'm hoping you'll look for that. But if you want to get more information, again, benzopeertraining.org. Go check that out. You'll see the new course and you'll learn a little bit about it. Um, this course is geared towards anybody with lived experience, anybody who's like a substance use disorder recovery coach, um, social workers, therapists, 
um, peer support professionals or peer support individuals, anybody who wants to get some formal training on how to pe help people specifically with benzodiazepines. And that's what the course is for. So, and this course is certified in the state of Colorado. So it worked towards certifications and we're trying to coordinate that with other um, states too, as we launch nationally. So just wanted to put that out there, let you know what's going on. I will have a post out probably by tomorrow. Today's Monday. I'm recording this probably tomorrow, Tuesday um, with more details. So if you're on our newsletter, you'll get that. So, oh, I kind of rambled that off quick because we got this great, um, conversation I did with Naftal Benesty, a podcaster, and I want to get to that. And that's the entire rest of our podcast. So I just wanted to sneak a few things in here, but keep my intro short as much as I can. And then we can move on. But I always want to pause for a second and just check in with you. See how you're doing. Um, I hope you're making use of some some me time, like I was just talking about. I hope you're finding new ways and new ways like we had the post about telling the different story and finding a different story to tell yourself. And, and that was kind of geared towards telling a different story about your anxiety, but that fits perfectly with Benzo um, withdrawal and bind too, because it's, what's the story you tell yourself? Is it all about being harmed and the anger and the frustration that goes with it? Or have you found a way as many of us have to move past that and, and seen it as a story of a challenge and uh, just a new thing that happened in a way you have to adapt and learn to live with it. But there's still an exciting life and you're going to heal and things will get better. And, and and so it's it's finding that kind of thing. I think that's a good message. It's a good message to cover. So Anyway, um, I'm sitting here drinking my chai. I have switched over, just so you know. Um, I've been trying to switch to my chai from milk with my chai. It's my drink in the morning. I like chai and I often have a little vanilla or pumpkin spice, you know, in the fall um, flavoring in it. And then I was doing just the milk with the chai latte. Um, but I've been trying to get away from that because I don't do great with milk, <laughs> even though I, I still succumb to it. And, but I couldn't quite get it used to almond milk. I couldn't get used to soy. I couldn't use the other things. So anyway, I have finally, by eating a lot of oatmeal lately and everything else, gotten used to this taste of oatmeal and even preferring it now. So now I get my chai with oat milk and I don't have the reaction to the milk. So yay like you really needed to know that but <laughs> that's just me rambling if you listen to my podcast much you know you i do that and sometimes i just like to share the tiny little anecdotes of my day because i think it kind of connects um connects us up a little bit so let's move on um don't forget to check us out on youtube on twitter on facebook wherever you want to find us our handle is at easing anx with the exception of Facebook, where it's at easing ANXFB. But of course, all our information, the easiest place to find, I even had somebody ask this just a little bit ago, um, is at our website, easinganxiety.com. Everything is there. Every podcast I've ever produced, um, all the articles I produced, all the old videos I did for anxiety, they're all there, easily to find, easy to find, fully searchable um, in categories, whatever. So I tried to make it very easy for us to find things that you want to. Please go there and check it out. Um, and you can learn more about all the different content, all the different subjects. You can set up your own personal profile and start to become a part of that online community we're setting up, which, yes, in the next couple weeks, I'm going to start being on there a lot more. I had a lot of other work to do, but I'm going to be on there and I'm gonna start communicating and we're going to set up some chats and we're going to just have some fun. So if you're interested in being part of that, go to our website and sign up. Um, and you can become part of your, you can set up your own personal profile, log in, and you can be part of that as we start to do that. Um, and don't forget, 
One last thing, of course, the Benzo Free Podcast is for informational purposes and should never be considered medical advice. In fact, I'm going to go and sneak in our disclaimer right here. Um, that way we won't have to do it at the end of the interview. So give, allow me about 25 seconds for our disclaimer and we'll move in um, to our conversation with NAFTA. Thanks. This podcast is for informational purposes only and should not be considered medical advice in any way. The host of this podcast is not a medical professional, nor is he engaged in rendering medical health or psychological advice nor any other kind of personal or professional services. The views and opinions expressed by our listeners and interview guests on this podcast, whether read from textual submissions or presented in their own voice, do not necessarily reflect those of the Benson Free Podcast or of its host. Withdrawal tapering or any other change in dosage of benzodiazepines, non-benzodiazepines, or any other prescription drugs should only be done under the direct supervision of a licensed physician. Our full disclaimer can be viewed on our website at benzofree.org slash disclaimer. This podcast is a production of Denim Mountain Press, copyright 2018, all rights reserved. Alrighty then, our feature today is a conversation with the Dutch podcaster Naftel Benesty. This is a podcast um, from the Netherlands that he put together. Um, and, you know, I just, even though I'm U.S.-based, as the majority of our listeners are, I think, followed closely, maybe by Canada, maybe not so closely, but followed by Canada. Um, our podcast is still listened in all corners of the globe, and I just love that, and I'm amazed by that. I love the reach of podcasts for that. Um, and it's great to hear from people all over the world, and, and I really get a lot of good information. Um, and one of the true tragedies of the benzo um, dependence crisis is that it is worldwide. And unfortunately, even though we have a long, long way to go here in the U.S. regarding, you know, awareness, education, support, it's often worse in many other countries and even seems hopeless at times. But but then someone tells me about a resource um, like Benzo Tired um, from the Netherlands. And I start to see what grassroots people are doing in other countries and often doing because and following in the footsteps of other people that have led the way, like, you know, you go back to the 60s and Malcolm Later and, of course, Heather Ashton and, and her manual and Shane Kenny and his um, um, documentary and documentary <laughs> documentary in um, the UK. And, of course, coaches like Baylissa and Jennifer Lee and all the other ones out there and and organizational founders like J.C. Curl and um, Bernie and Carrie Silvernair with um, Bic and the Alliance, respectively. And and, and 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 then I start to see this new crop of people, even doctors and therapists and organizers and coaches and advocates and policymakers and YouTubers and, yes, podcasters coming just out and because they've seen some of the work we've done and these other people have done and they wanted to do something and to carry on the tradition and to do it with passion and, and providing education and have the empathy and lived experience and support. Um, for this benzo-harmed community that so many of us know so well. And I'm, I, I, it's hard not to feel the hope building and to feel that we're making a difference and to feel like we're in good hands. There's a lot of people. And my guest today, Naftal, is one of those people. Um, after I'm in a conversation with him, I just, I feel like he's got great background for what he's doing. He's been through hell with benzos. He gets it, and he's learning from so many people out there like Geraldine Burns and, and other people who were some of the pioneers, um, especially in the podcasting, benzo podcasting arena, and, and, and he gets it, and he's making a difference, and he's helping people, and I'm just grateful that he took time to talk with me um, for the podcast. So let me tell you a little bit about him real quick. Naftal Benesty is a Dutch-trained social worker. 
And after being trapped for, um, after being treated, I'm sorry, for Lyme disease in 2016, he developed a debilitating, I'm really good at talking today, I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm going to back that up a second. My apologies. After being treated for Lyme disease in 2016, he developed debilitating tinnitus or tinnitus. I think he says tinnitus, I say tinnitus. They're both correct. (laughs) Nobody's wrong here. It's just two pronunciations. Um, Also dealing with a lot of insomnia. And he was prescribed um, benzos, and he sought help to deal with chronic fatigue. And then after receiving um, CBT, cognitive behavioral therapy, he wanted to come off this high dose of benzos that he was prescribed. Unfortunately, due to the lack of education of his doctors, he was thrown into a severe life-threatening withdrawal, um, including kindling and many other factors and cold turkey and all kinds of stuff that he went through. As so many of us have been, he has been shocked by the lack of medical tra- medical training he found, um, and he found resources online to help support that. He decided, um, after collecting a lot of information and learning everything he could, that he could do a podcast, and he started with a podcast in Dutch, um, but then he had some people that were English-speaking and suggested he do one English-speaking, and he started doing that one, and that became Benzo Tired. Naftel's podcast includes his journey of coming off Benzo's, how he found information, where he went, um, topics while researching benzodiazepines and learning about the drugs, in addition to what he referred to as meeting heroes along the way. Nafil's going to tell you a lot more about himself. We're going to start off with that. So let's just go ahead and dive right into this conversation and join um, myself and Nafil, um on an interview we recorded just last week. Thanks. All right. Welcome, everybody. This is Dee, and we are here at the Benzo Free Podcast, and today I have a guest. This is uh, Naftal Benesti um, from Benzo Tired Podcast. Welcome, Naftal. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. It's great to have you on the on, on the podcast. I'm looking forward to our conversation. For most of you aren't aware that Naftal and I talked um, about a week or two ago and two hours later, we finally decided we had to hang up and go do other things. It just <laughs> it just kept going and going. And so it was it was great to get to know you and great to get that conversation. And I look forward to what you can share with our listeners here on the podcast today. So thank you again for taking the time to meet with us. Sure. Um, I want to start out like I start out with everybody, which is first, tell me just a bit about yourself, what you were doing, and then we'll we'll move into the Benzo story and see where that's at. Okay. Sure. Um, Well, I used to be a social worker. That's what I did for a living. And I was doing pretty all right. I was married, um, bought a house. I had a pretty simple life and I was happy and I was healthy. Um, And in 2016, I um, went to the U.S. for the first time in my life, which I really wanted to do. That was the thing on my bucket list. Where'd you go? California for about three weeks. And I loved it. I fell in love. So it was really a great vacation. And um, I think we came back June 2016. And then I got Lyme disease in the summer. So in my own country. um, And that was a pretty big health scare to me. I was really scared. Um, And I got symptoms and I had that bullseye and, you know, all the signs were there. Right. So I went to my GP. I got antibiotics. And all seemed well. And then I think about two weeks later, I got tinnitus really bad. And that resulted into like really bad insomnia. I couldn't sleep. I was in panic. I didn't know what tinnitus actually was. Um, 
Yeah, both airs, just a loud banshee, <laughs> a loud banshee in my head, screaming. It's yeah. it's a really, it's a bad one. I have really bad tinnitus. Currently now, luckily, I, I'm okay with it. But at the time, it's like, what is this? Um, so um, I couldn't sleep. I didn't know what was wrong. I, I didn't know exactly what tinnitus was. And I was kind of hoping it, it'll, it would go away. Tried to keep the show on the road, working, all of that stuff. And I think I went to um, a drugstore and just got some like herbal stuff trying to help me sleep because I'd never had insomnia before that happened. Um, and I really didn't want to go to the GP and I didn't want to have pills or prescriptions or yeah. anything, but I became so desperate. So desperately, I went to my GP and he prescribed me uh, several benzodiazepines um, to try. And I didn't really know the concept of benzodiazepines. I just thought I was getting a pill to get some sleep. And so my benzo journey bega began in 2016. And I was on a short acting benzodiazepine for a couple of months. That isn't even, um, how you say that? Um, it's only allowed in the Netherlands and another country. So it's not, you, you guys won't have it. It's called Lormetazepam. That's the generic name. Um, a very short acting benzo. I didn't know what it was. It wasn't actually helping me a lot with sleep. So I would sleep for two hours, take another pill, and then another two hours, take another pill. I had no clue about benzos and potency. So uh, lormetazepam is about 10 times more potent than Valium or diazepam, which I had no idea about. So, um, so during this time, I was like, this is not viable. I don't want to be on these pills. I'm still sleeping very poorly. So I really sought help for my tinnitus. Um, long story short, I didn't get the help that I needed. I got it a I got a diagnosis and learn how to live with it. Goodbye. Um, right. But I'm pretty certain I was pretty much physically dependent by then on the benzodiazepines. And then in 2017, all of a sudden, this lormetazepam is no longer available, out of stock. I'm like, okay, I'm panicky because I need something to sleep. And I got switched to a long-acting benzodiazepine uh, brand name Delmain, um, generic name Florazepam. Mm -hmm. And I thought this is a miracle drug. I was like, oh, I'm finally sleeping again, finally sleeping again. And I really thought I was getting a pill for sleep. And I, I thought because of my tinnitus, okay, I have a condition, tinnitus, don't know how to you know, um, live with that without sleeping pills. So I thought I was gonna, you know, use them for the rest of my life. Right. Yeah. So when did you realize that this was a serious problem or causing, you know, that the medication was causing most of your symptoms and things that were going on in your life? Interestingly, that took me a very, very long time okay. because I, I think I, I never really got physical symptoms until I started to taper Mm -hmm. But I was tired all the time, all the time. I was like, I had like chronic fatigue and I just kept getting worse and worse. Um, so in 2019 or 2020, I can't remember exactly. I went to a psychologist like, hey, I'm tired all the time. And I've, I've got this thing called tinnitus and I don't know how to cope. I don't know how to deal. Um, she didn't look at my, you know, she didn't ask about any prescription d drugs that I was using. So I got this diagnosis like, oh, you have chronic fatigue syndrome, something. Right. Right. learn how to live with your fat fatigue and, you know, good luck with that. Um, and then I think I realized that the drug wasn't working anymore. I wasn't really sure, you know, what benzodiazepine withdrawal intolerance or any of that was, but I was like, I need something else to replace this drug. Mm -hmm. So I called my GP and I said, I heard about Z drugs. Maybe you can give me a Z drug. So I take the Z drug, quick cold turkey with the benzos, high dose, by the way, 90 milligrams. Yeah. Wow. And 
after a week, I get into full blast psychosis. And then even then, it took me like in this kind of like psychotic break that I was having, it took me a couple of hours to, re to realize like, hey, I, I switched a drug that must be causing this. Then I go back on the drug and then I realize something is wrong and it's maybe related to the drugs. But even then, I wasn't really comprehending that it was all the benzos causing all of that. Yeah, it takes most of us a while. I, I know for me too, it was actually for me, it wasn't even until my a, a new primary care physician told me to take Prozac. because, And I said, why? She said, well, that's what help you come off of your clonazepam. And I didn't even know mm. I needed to come off of my clonazepam. I've been on it for 12 years. <laughs> and right. so that's when I went and started looking at, onto the internet. And of course, that night I had a severe panic attack when I saw what I saw. And that was my that was my journey. So mine happened rapidly. Um, because wow. it's suddenly I just looked things up. And I never I never thought to look before I never thought this drug I'd been taking for 12 years was you know, and, and in hindsight, I see that I was starting to get some tolerance symptoms. I just didn't know what they were, um, you know, so, you know, that happens. But yeah, for some people, it's a very slow realization. For others, it happens overnight. It, it can be crazy. It took me a really, really long time. So what happened once I had my psychotic break, I, I reinstate, you know, mm -hmm. I, I never knew of these terms, you know, later on. But to reinstate, <laughs> I think that was the best thing that I could have done. So the Z drug is like, okay, the Z drug's not working. So I threw that away. It was like, okay, that's not helpful at all. And just staying clear from the Z drug. And I actually go and seek help again. And after five years of being tired and dealing with my tinnitus, everything, I finally find uh, a clinic in my country that is specialized in giving cognitive behavioral therapy for tinnitus and sleep. I didn't even know that they existed. I mean, I had looked, but they kind of go under a name for in Dutch, like for deaf and people that have hearing loss. When you have tinnitus, you are not necessarily deaf or you don't have necessarily no. hearing loss. So I would never have found that. Anyway, so that's like five years into this journey with benzos. And it was kind of five years too late, but still very welcome. And then I get the cognitive behavioral therapy and I learn that there's no such thing as a pill for sleep. I'm like, oh, okay. And I'm like, okay, well, I think, and you know, with the cognitive behavioral therapy, which was really um, helpful, I was like, you know what? I think over the past few years, the tinnitus bit, I think I, I've learned how to cope with that. You know, I think I have this thing in habituation or something they call it. I think I'm okay with my tinnitus. And I think I'm ready to come off of these drugs and just you know, try to sleep on my own. And I think I did kind of gather that if I was going to quit the drugs or taper or something, that I would have some rebound insomnia, something like that. And they, at that place, they, um, the psychiatrist there um, tried to taper me off very rapidly. Um, it did not go well at all. No. I stopped sleeping altogether. I became yeah. intensely depressed and I felt very strange. I thought it was the lack of sleep that was causing me to be so depressed. Maybe that was a factor. Um, it was just going too fast and I, I gave up. It was undoable, intolerable. And I again, reinstated. So there's a lot of kindling in my story, by the way. Um, so that psychiatrist like, I can't help you. I'm going to send, I'm going to forward you to uh, an addiction facility. Oh, and so yeah. I went there and I was like, oh, wow, an addiction facility. That's <laughs> kind of intense, you know, yeah. that's kind of intense. But I, I went and in between I did something very stupid. It was so silly because I we do have insert pamphlets, but um, they just say gradual. Yeah. 
gradually come off like what's gradual what, is, what does that mean exactly yeah so what i did i was like oh i i, I guess i was kind of scared to d- go to an addiction facility so i thought maybe i can try it on my own again and i cut my dose from 90 milligrams of fluorazepam to 30 in two days wow and i could not do another step like from 30 to 15 i got so deathly ill I was like oh this is scary so um I'm, I'm, I'm not going to go down to 30 until I get to this addiction facility. But I was already having these strange symptoms, like little seizures and tremors. And I was like, oh, maybe, maybe this is part of the territory. And kind of desperate. And and I went into this addiction facility to please help me get off these drugs. I'm really struggling. I don't know what's wrong with me. Why can't I come off this? You know, And I, I was very specific with the addiction specialist, as he calls himself. Um, like, look, I've tapered. Last month, I was on 90 milligrams of fluorazepam. I've been on this kind of high dose for a couple of years. I'm on 30 now. I'm really struggling to to, to go down to 15 so uh, or just zero. So help me out. And he said, well, sure, I'm going to give you 15 milligrams of Valium or diazepam. I'm like, oh, wait, I had that the first attempt. That didn't yeah. go very well. Are there alternatives? And then he mm-hmm. was like, yeah, I can give you Ativan. <laughs> I didn't know anything. I really trusted right. this, you know, I was like, really, okay, okay, I'll try it. So um, he gives me the Ativan. I, I'm supposed to instantly switch. And I just had the strangest week. I was just, uh, just, I was going mad. I was just, I was like, I wasn't sleeping. I was very sick. Um, so I, I, I was like, this is not going to work. This is not going to work. So I came in, I came back a week later. I was like, dude, just give me the Valium because this is not working. Um. And then he gave me the 50 milligrams of Valium and I tried it for two days, got really, I got high for yeah. the first time in this benzo journey. I got high in a bad way, feeling very sick. Uh, he told me to instantly switch, no crossing over. Um, so I tried it for about two days. I got really sick and I was like, I'm done with this. I just want to be free of this pill. So I went cold turkey and that i think i i that was doable for a couple of days and i i i thought i have willpower and you know i'll just do this and maybe i'll be sick for a week or two i was like i'll i'll do this in a month i was so naive yeah. and then i i almost died i had grand mal seizures after a couple of days um yeah you were talking when well, we had the conversation the other day you were talking about the seizures go talk a little bit about that because and that's it's a it's a it's it's not common, it's rare, but it does happen, especially in the acute phases, but you've had some that have lingered. And I haven't yes. heard that as much. And I'm really curious to know what that's like and what your experiences have been. Yeah, so um, it's, it is an interesting topic. And I've uh, discussed it with some of my doctors that I've seen or psychiatrists. Um, you know, see, I've even looked it up, um, information, what is a seizure, they have definitions of seizures, there's the tonic and the clonic. And there's a whole variety of, of seizures. The thing with me is I'm always conscious, conscious when it happens. Okay. So I'm aware. Um, right. Mostly when people have grand mal seizures, they're kind of out of it. And I'm aware. The only thing is I can't talk. I, like I'm dispasming extremely. Um, all of my muscles, everything's out of control. And I can't talk. I'm, I'm living the moment, but I can't speak. I can't talk. It's like the worst it's combination, horrible. isn't it? Yeah. For you to be it's conscious, horrible. but you have no zero control over what's happening. Yep. It's pretty um, horrific. Yeah. It's, so how uh, often have you had those? Oh, a lot. I um, <laughs> I had them a lot. Um, I think the biggest one was when I went cold turkey. 
that was by far the biggest and scariest one. And I really, um, in combination with um, like a heart attack or just very, very extremely rapid heartbeat. Um, and I, that was like three days. I was like, okay, this is, I think I'm gonna, well, I, I knew I was dying. I felt it like something, this is, I'm not gonna survive this. So I was, you know, pretty lost at the time. And I was like, okay, so what do I do? I, I think I have to instate a benzo. I have to do, mm -hmm. I have to take a benzo. And I was like, okay, so the addiction specialist, specialist told me 15 milligrams of Valium. Let me meet him halfway and I'll right, just take right. seven. I'll just yeah. take seven. And that did help. But um, that kind of resulted into me staying on seven for a while and cutting to six and five within okay. a couple of like three months. And I was just that those were that was my acute withdrawal. And I had seizures constantly, like twice a week, oh maybe God. not as intense, but I had seizures the, the whole time. How are they? How are they now? Um. The last time that I had it was uh, like two months ago. Okay. I was lower on the benzos than I'm now. I was on four milligrams of Valium then. Now I'm on five. Um, but that was one time. And then before it, uh, the, the the time before that one, it was a couple of months before okay. that. So it's not as intense as it was. And I haven't had seizures in a while now. So it's so it's been a while. In our conversation before, I noticed one of your uh, podcast episodes, something that was somebody was talking about holding infinitely on a certain dosage do you feel like maybe that's where you're at now or do you still think you're going to taper down as you move on and maybe explain what you what you're talking about when you refer to right so the indefinite hold i um actually i read a, a book um uh last year it was a new book and i read the book and i was kind of baffled like i was in the zone of benzo buddies and benzo world like we're all right. trying to get to zero and I was deathly ill, and I knew by then that I had gone way too fast. Um, read this book, and I was like, who wants to hold indefinitely on a benzo? We all want to come off right. But then I read the book, and it just made sense for this person. And um, uh, yes, I think I've, I've, I've come to the point now where I'm indefinitely holding. I'm never saying never. Um, I'm just saying not now. With the person that you're talking about with the indefinite hold, do you believe that? I, mean, I think the question is here is that is it going to catch up with you? Um, is, you know, is tolerance going to, you know, take hold and be pretty strong? Is that really a long term solution? What are your thoughts on that? Um, I, I, it could possibly happen. I know yeah. that there's people on the planet that take a benzo for the rest of their lives and they seem fine. Um, I think with benzos, I think my lesson is anything can happen. You're always taking a, a calculated risk by holding indefinitely. It's not something that you would want. I, I don't want to promote or anything. I think yeah. it's, I, I think, you know, to be honest, I think for now in this moment, in this time, I think I'm going to hold for a year and then try again. And that makes sense. And that's one of the things I try to focus on is, we always encourage people, not encourage, but we always try to refer to them to the, you know, common thoughts, which is a slow taper, you know, to come off the drug entirely when you can. But you also have to have, you know, a realistic expectation. For some people, that's just not something they can do right now. For some people, the symptoms are too strong. For some people, this is going to take a long time. Um, you might even look at the indefinite hold as part of a very slow taper. You know, Definitely. and pause and pausing. I, I paused it. I updosed at one point during my taper, um, panic attack out of town on work kind of thing. Um, 
And I then paused for a while at that. When I updosed a little bit, I stayed at that level for another like four or five months, I think, before I started to go down. So that might be seen kind of as an indefinite hold. Um, and I think maybe if you look at it from the um, point of view of it's holding until you feel comfortable taking the next step. And that might be yeah. a year. You know, it depends yep. on where you're at. Then it totally makes sense. And I think that that fits in with with common theory on tapering. So I think that that fits. So yeah, I can see that. I, I don't recommend indefinite holds because eventually it might catch up with you. But right. if you need to take it very slowly to where you pause for a while, absolutely. And to each their own, you know, that's one yeah, thing. And, I, and yeah. I would have to say that I, my messy was just, uh, sorry, my taper was extremely messy yeah. from day one. And I it was sounds, very yeah, much all kindled. over the place. Yeah. It is all over the place and not because I chose that at all. No, I mean, God, I just no. wasn't informed. I wasn't informed. Yeah. And what was really shocking to me that I was in acute withdrawal. I had tapered from seven to five milligrams of Valium in like two or three months because I just wanted to come off. And I was right. just so sick the whole time. And then I, at some point I was like, there's something not right. I am so sick. I'm having all these weird, I couldn't walk. I couldn't talk. I couldn't think. Um, the lights were too bright, you know, the whole yeah, thing, but yeah. I was really, really sick. I could not think yeah, constant hyperarousal was... where everything influences you that yeah, in the world. I know yeah. And I, I remember asking my uh, addiction specialist at the time before going into the state for like, what kind of withdrawal symptoms can I expect? And he said some blurry vision period. That was it. So when I couldn't walk and I couldn't talk and I, and I communicated this to him, I was like, first I said, like, I went cold turkey. I was like, good for you. And then I was like, oh, I, I, I think I will die if I do this cold turkey. So I'm going to go on seven. And he made really strange comments. Like you're taking an awful long time to come off of the benzos. And it's amazing. They're in the medical. It is crazy. And, and then it's February, 2022. And I'm like, something just doesn't add up. It's, it's not adding up here. I'm too sick. This is yeah. inhumane. And I start opening my computer and I start looking and the first, I was like, what do I even look for? Oh, this is yeah. a benzodiazepine. And then I find, first I find a book, then I find the Ashton manual. And mind you, I was just cognitively very much impaired. Yeah. And then I, I saw, you know, the Ashton manual. I see the, the headshot of someone in the eighties. I'm like, what's an Ashton manual. And then just, you know, my heart drops. Like, this is me. She's describing me. And then I knew that I was onto something. And then I, I really needed a long time to research everything that was going on with me um, because of my symptoms, barely sleeping and all of that. But I, I learned along the way that I should have been, well, first of all, it should have been an option to cross over to Valium. Yeah. And substitution doesn't work. Yeah. It doesn't work for everybody. So it's not the best, you know, Hundred percent, hundred percent. So I figured out along the way that I was supposed to be given the equivalent of ninety milligrams of florazepam, according to the Ashton manual. There's like more equivalency things right. out there, like Klinkelk. But um, I think the the Ashton manual states forty five milligrams of Valium. That's okay. where I should have started at instead of seven yeah. or fifteen. <laughs> um, and and the Klinkelk is just very broad, and I think the upper range of that uh, is hundred and twenty milligrams of Valium. Yeah, I'm just glad that you're here doing what you're doing today. So, in fact, that's that's transition to that. So, so yeah. first of all, how are you doing now? Where are you at? What what are you currently on, and what's your current state, and how are you doing right now? I'm currently on five milligrams of Valium. Awesome, um, that's great. Congratulations. Thank you. I was lower on the Valium, but I was just getting you know the seizures. 
Definitely. So I'm on, I'm 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 very stable. I'll have my occasional okay. bad day. Um, for me, the symptoms are mostly or, or almost almost everything is physical with me. Okay, we are back now. Um, we had a few technical difficulties, and then more technical difficulties, and a few more technical. <laughs> but I think we're back now. Just so everybody knows, I was trying to record video and audio, but we had some um, resource limitations on the computers, and we got some warnings. So anyway, we came back, and we're just recording audio only going forward, and probably make the whole thing audio only. Um, just so everybody knows, but we're going to make this work. So I'm back here with Taftal and I wanted to talk a little bit about your podcast. I wanted to um, transition now into what got you the idea for doing a podcast on benzodiazepines? How did that get started and, and how's that going for you? Right. So when I got really sick and when I discovered the Astro Manual, I just wanted to know so much more about benzos and I wanted to learn about it. And I actually looked for podcasts and I found Geraldine Burns' podcast, what was the first podcast that I found, and I listened to it and thank goodness my English is okay. So I was like, oh, I can understand all of this. And I felt so validated and all these people went through the same thing that I went was going through and it was so helpful. So I was like, maybe, you know, that was a few months after that. I was like, I, I guess the feeling was I want to warn the world. I want to educate the world. And right. I... I was like, I have to do something. I want to do something back for the community. And, you know, um, so I just looked into how to make a podcast. And originally I started Dutch, but at the time I was also on Benzo Buddies and some American friends that I had on the, uh, you know, where I was talking to on Benzo Buddies were like, hey, that's really cool that you're starting a podcast, but maybe you can do it in English. I'm, English. I'm like, sure, I'll do it. So very organically, I was like, okay, just Googled how do I make a podcast and really learned and how to make the episodes and I really started off with just my story. And then it's really my kind of journey through this whole Benzo thing. Like what is crossing over and why are people struggling with that? What is bind? I find, I, I then I, at that <laughs> point I, I'm finding DE Foster and I'm finding your podcast. Like, why didn't I find this before? So all the topics that kind of a Benzo noob will find in this journey. I'm like, I just want to share that with um, the world. Yeah. And I never thought, I, I, I really thought like maybe it's, cool for a couple of the, you know, Benzo buddies to check in on the podcast and maybe they'll learn a thing or two. Mm -hmm. And then as time progressed, I had a, a friend of mine come up on the show who was tapering at the time. She's off now. Um, and then more people came on the show and then it just, you know, it became more of a platform for other people to come on. And I, I just, I have to say the, the making the podcast series during withdrawal was a gift because it kept me busy. Yes it felt something that I could do for the community um, mm -hmm. because I would have these days where I was really sick and kind of dysfunctional, but then I'd have okay days and I was able to record. Um, and it was just a gift because I met some really awesome people making oh, the yeah. podcast series and it's such a gift. And I mean, it, it just means the world to me, you know, I mean, so many people are harmed by benzodiazepines. It's such an international problem too. Absolutely. Yeah, And there's so many books written about it. And there's just, I, I learned a lot from other podcasts, like for your podcast series and, you know, people that came on your show and your, your personal story and everything. I was like, this is what really helped me listening to other people, knowing what I'm going through. Right. So if I can give that back, that's, that's the amazing. biggest gift. I, I love, I love the way you speak about that and the, the love you have for what you're doing and the it was the same thing for me because I I've said many times on the podcast that doing the podcast saved me 
because just like you shared, it's like that those connections, talking with people, emailing with people, hearing from them, sharing their stories kept me going. It saved me. Um, and I love that because, yeah, it was some of the things I think we needed to do this so we could get through this. <laughs> you know? Definitely. It's a two-way stream, really. It is. It really is. It's, it's one of those great things in life where it's beneficial on both sides, and that's amazing. Yeah, and I'm just very grateful to you as well, oh, well for making you. your podcast series. Yeah. And I really enjoyed listening to a lot of your episodes. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. I've been listening to some of yours lately, too. I've been having, I know you told me about the Haley and Tom once. I went back and started checking that episode out and really well done. And that was a great story to hear about both of them. And um, and I think a lot of the stories, I know you had Christy Huff on, um, yeah. who was, is a colleague of mine. Um, in fact, we had lunch just yesterday. Um she was in town. And so, but just, you know, always good to hear the different takes because I hear when they're on mine, but you always get different feedback on other podcasts. So I hear a different take on some of the people I've worked with and some of the people that, you know, I haven't worked with, but, but it's, it's different on different podcasts because you ask different questions and you have a different rapport with them. And so you get a little bit of, you know, in-depth areas on things that I wouldn't think to bring up. And I think that's fascinating. I've noticed that on your podcast is you, you have in, insight into different areas than I do. And I love that because it, it brings out more information and newer information. Well, I think we just learn so much from each other because yeah. you have this episode where you had Anna Lemke on. Yeah. And the way that you kind of educate her where you, <laughs> she's like, oh, I didn't think of that. That's a good one. I'll consider that. Like you're telling about your personal story where um, you basically find out that the menzos are harming you and you go to your prescriber, like I want to come off. And he actually tells you to hold for a while before right. you start. Right. And that was so, that was so interesting to me. I'm like, that is actually something that you, that doctors can consider telling your, their patients, yeah. you know, if the circumstances are there. And she was like, Oh, I didn't know that. I was, I was like, so impressed with, you know, you impressing her. And, you know, it was, it was well, and she, and that, that's why I, I love her. That's why she's so amazing. And so many of the people I doctors I work with are amazing, because they're the ones that are willing to listen to us and know that we can teach them things too. Um, you know, my co chair at the benzodiazepine action work group is Dr. Alexis Ritvo. And one of the things that doctors, she and Dr. Stephen Wright, were originally the founders, you know, we, we all founded the organization, but they were the original co-chairs. Um, and when Stephen retired, he said he wanted a lived experience person in there to be the other co-chair along with Dr. Ritvo. And that became myself. And I love that because these are the people that get that, hey, we bring a lot to the table. We've lived through this. We know what it's like. We've worked with thousands of people who are going through it. You know, we bring knowledge. And so then I started working with BIC and I started working with the Alliance for Benzodiazepine Best Practices and other organizations who are lived experience founded. They're founded by lived experience people, but they've created organizations of medical professionals and lived experience together. Um, and that's one of the great things about Christy Huff is that she's actually both. You know, she's a cardiologist yeah. and lived experience with Xanax. Yeah. So, you know, those, those that's that it's that. I think it's that partnership is where we're seeing the biggest difference is because we're working with the doctors, especially the ones who are open to knowing what we went through and we bring some to the table. And when I had that conversation with Dr. Lemke, it was great because yeah, she said, wow, I never thought about having somebody stabilize for six months before we start the taper. And it wasn't my idea. It was my doctor's idea, but I was just passing it on to her. But, but she was, she, that's what I loved about her is she was willing to listen to that and say, Hey, 
I might incorporate that at my practice. And I said, oh, well, great. <laughs> you know, That is awesome. I think, you know, uh, there is a wealth of information, of life stories where we can all learn from each other. Exactly. And, you know, honestly, you guys are doing awesome work because I found your YouTube video on Bind and I'd never yeah. heard of Bind before that. I was like, this is freaking amazing. Oh, this thanks. we need. And yeah. the way that you guys explain it, I was like, this is it. This is what we are. This is a better name than Benzo Withdrawal or... Well, we, we just had we had so many names, and that was the problem. Yeah. We had we had about twenty different names on our research out there that were all defining the same condition, and then in the survey results, we found we found actual evidence of a separate withdrawal pattern that was separate from acute withdrawal those first thirty days, um, and so that they actually are different, and it's more of this neuroadaptation, neurotoxicity thing that happens that creates this long term protracted effect. But it's different than acute withdrawal. And finding that difference is what created BIND. Um, and that's where they got the doctors together and started talking through it and figuring out terminology and what it looks like. And um, yeah, our third paper is probably coming out in the next month. And that one actually um, fully defines BIND and, and formally presents it. So yeah. we're, we're really close to having it all out there and getting some, hopefully some media about that and getting that more, more publicized. So. Yeah. And in in, in kind of my research, because, you know, I felt like my journalist is born, my inner journalist, Mm -hmm. I'm going to, I'm going to research all of this. And then I, 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 I'm not really sure if you had any part of that, but that I find the Colorado consortium, the deep prescribing guidelines. I'm like, yes, we did those. Wow. Wow. Like why is, this is so good. (laughs) I'm like, yeah, we're trying trying to get those. Yeah. It was actually when we created the Benzo Action Workgroup at the consortium, our first task was creating three documents, prescribing, deprescribing, and peer support. I I was on the peer support team because that was my expertise. And so I worked on that. Whereas like Alexis, Dr. Ritvo and Dr. Huff, they were working on some other ones. I think one, one of them worked on, you know, the deprescribing one worked on prescribing. But yeah, they're great. And now they're public and they're free and people can go look at it. Some documented information. We have references in it. It's, you know, several physicians are involved with each one. So we have a lot of medical background too. And I think they're good documents to use and we just keep building on that. And I think other sites too, like the Alliance site and Big site also have amazing documentation. Definitely. Um, definitely. And our, play, our resources, if people haven't been there, check those out. You know, Check out my site, Easing Anxiety. I have a lot on my site. Um, check Bic at benzoinfo.com. And check the alliance at um, benzoreform.org. Um, by far, just those two organizations always surprise me with new work and new progress they're making, and they're doing a lot of great stuff. So, I think I found a lot of great things, but everything that I found was in the U.S. Yeah, none of that in Europe. It does seem none to have, it. it's shifted because you know with Ashton it was UK yeah. for a while. Like when I first got started, it seemed like UK was a little ahead. Um, and Ireland had some a lot of progress too on realizing the damage of benzodiazepines, but um, Irish also found it ran into some problem. Ireland ran into some problems because they tried to curtail access to benzos too quickly, and they wound up in a big problem of deprescribing and not having the drugs available for deprescribing right. for people tapering. Um, so there's been some downturn, and, and I think, but you, I mean, in the UK you got Bayliss over there who's just amazing and always rock solid. Um, working there with several organizations. But I think in the last few years, Geraldine was huge. Um, um, Sonia was huge. So many people over here really kind of got things moving. 
and people bought in and then you got JC over at, you know, Bic and she and Christy got that thing kicked, kicked off and running and then Bernie Silvernail at the Alliance and just all the pieces kind of came together. I got mine started with the podcast and stuff and it does seem like it was a perfect storm and everything now is coming together and gelling and we're making a difference and we we kind of figured out how to make a difference and how to get this to happen. And so, yeah, it's kind of cool. Yeah. And so. I, I love con connecting to each and every one, you know, trying to make a difference. I've really connected to some really cool people in the UK, um, people that were harmed. They're trying to make documentaries. Oh, yeah. They're setting up websites. So I really feel like, you know, I'm not out of the woods yet, but I feel like if we all combine forces, we should be able exactly. to. And that's what we're doing. And that's something. what, and that's what I love finding people like yourself, like, um, you know, I've had a different coaches on recently and I've had some other people and I'm finding new people who are, have been out there for a while. I just didn't know about it. Just like you said, you know, you found Geraldine, but didn't know about my podcast. It's, we find little pieces along the way. Yeah. Um, and then suddenly you realize, oh my God, here's somebody out here with, you know, 2000 followers on a YouTube channel and they're doing all this stuff and it's really good sound advice. And it's like, oh, well, let me reach out and say hi. And but there's somebody we don't know. And so when I, you know, came across your stuff a little while back and then we started chatting and we had a good conversation and it was like, Hey, this, this guy knows what he's doing. He's got some, some great people on there. And I saw you had Christy on. It's like, well, I got to get over there <laughs> to talk to this guy. So it's like, and, so, yeah. and it's been great since then. It's been great since then, because, you know, it's one of those, you're one of those people that I think we could sit down and have a five hour conversation straight and still not want to stop yet. For sure, for sure. And I think one of the, um, because I, I tend to be on the positive side, even though I went through hell. Yeah, and I think the positive thing is there's, a, I, I'm seeing a lot of vigor, if that's the right word. I think there is, there are people now that are like, this is not okay. This is 2023. This should not have happened to me. And now with social media, and we can have whole, whole discussions about the pros and cons about social media. But now that we have it, we kind of, we can utilize that social media platform to really, you know, get the word out. Because I think if I'll speak for myself, I'm like, I'm not going to wait until the government, we don't have a black box warning like you guys, we don't. So it, if in order for us to change, it has to be from the bottom to the top. So yeah, well, and that's, that's how, that's how we got the warning, you know, is actually those organizations I was talking about, a lot of them reached out to the FDA. It was grassroots that got the, that moving and got that warning on there. So this is how it happens, you know, is exactly yeah. what you're talking about. But yeah, we do need to get that as be more of an international type of um, realization so that other places have those warnings too, because that, that, that has been a key over here while the downside, which we're learning recently because um, we're just starting to do some initial studies on the effect of that FDA warning. Um, but one of the downsides we're seeing in some of that research is few physicians read the warning. There's not really a good communication um, protocol for informing acting medical professionals about updated information on drugs. There's just not, it's that there's, there's little pieces out there and there's CME and there's different, but I think the CME is probably, which is continuing medical education, is probably our best because like in, in the, this country, they're required to take some of that every year to keep your license. And right. so, and we have, we've just created some benzodiazepine videos on that and, and um, certified CME classes that we did. And so that can help. But when that box warning comes out, a lot of physicians don't even know it exists. And that's the downside. It's like, it's there. Right. 
but there's no real good mechanism for communicating that to physicians saying, hey, by the way, benzodiazepines, you want to be careful about prescribing them, and here's why. Yeah, I think for me, because, you know, I, I can talk for hours, but I think what I really missed in my insert pamphlet still, it doesn't set a time frame. It says your right. doctor will tell you how long to use it. Yeah, I know. It's and, and most and, and far too many medical professionals still believe that you can be on it the rest of your life with no problems. You know, right. And I actually had an interesting conversation with one of my psychiatrists who wasn't gaslighting me. So she was believing me. She's like, oh, you really okay. provided the information and whatever you need, we'll do that. So that was really cool and very blessed to have it. But she actually thought, she said to me recently, like, I believe that diazepam or Valium is, you know, suitable for certain anxiety disorders. I'm like, no, just yeah. no, like long-term. Long, like, yeah, no, long term, just, long term's the problem right there. Yeah. It's like, no, just no. <laughs> I, yeah, just, but, just, just, just no. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah, yeah, just we go, no. We, we go back in our country to Nancy Reagan of just say no, you know. Yeah, much. yeah. But, and, 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 and you and I both agree. It's like, we also know, yeah, benzos are needed for certain things. Um, but it's very limited. Yeah. It should be very short term. Um, you know, I mean, ER physicians need it when an agitated person comes into the ER room. You can't treat the person unless you can calm them down. Well, you know, a shot of Versed, you know, but as a lamb really quickly calms that person down, we can be treated. Absolutely needed for that. It's needed for alcohol yeah. detox. You know, it's needed for seizures sometimes. But there's very little reason for long-term treatment with benzodiazepines. Very little, you know, um, efficacy proven that that really does anything any good for people. So, you know, most of the effects of benzodiazepines wear off in the first 30 to 45 days. You know, yeah. after that, you're now you're now moving into dependence you know, if yeah. not well before that. So, yeah, I think that's very shocking because, uh, you, I mean, we know Christy's st uh, story, um, yep. but I actually came across some other stories where people were just on it for a couple of weeks or months. And then they, yeah. you know, got so sick, you know, um, just after short-term use already. So even with, I mean, the, the FDA stated on the black box warning, it can happen within a matter of days Exactly, and that it does it happen. It does. It does. And it's, it's scary. Hey, let's, let's, let's jump into your podcast for a little bit here. I just, sure. I, I quickly mentioned the Haley and Tom episode. I was wondering if you yeah. could talk on that. Cause you mentioned that to me before too, when we were having our conversation and what you learned from that and why that was so um, um, instrumental for you and your podcast, why, why that was such an effective episode. Right. Well, so many reasons. Um, um, first meeting Haley was very special because he, she has a very uh, a positive Instagram page. Uh, I think it's called Benzo Positivity or yep. Benzo Withdrawal uh, Positivity. I was like, oh, this is so refreshing, you know, um, from all the other stuff that I'm seeing online. It can get pretty dark. So I, I just DM'd her. I, I didn't know if it was him or her, no name. I was like, thank you so much for, you know, creating this um, page and I uh, hope you're well. So we started talking and chatting and um, so we, we got acquainted and, you know, she introduced herself as Haley and I was talking about the podcast and she actually was listening to my podcast and I got some good feedback and we were talking. And at some point I was like, you know, I, there are some topics that I wanna, still want to touch on, on. And one of them is having a partner on the show, you know, someone, you know, in it with the partner or a wife or a husband and, you know, mm -hmm. talk to that person. And, and she was like, well, my husband is, you know, he, I, we would want to be on and he's a professional podcaster. I'm like, really? Oh, okay, cool. Sure. And I, um, then she, um, 
something was happening with her taper. So she, oh, they got COVID. They got COVID. Right, right. Okay. So <laughs> that's kind of, that kind of sucks when that happens. So yeah. um, kind of forgot about it. Then she reached out again. We set it up and it was such a beautiful recording. And he's so good. He's so strong and he's explaining it so well. And he's such a champ when it comes to helping her during this benzo withdrawal. Mm -hmm. And, um, it was just so amazing. And then um, he gave me some valuable tips in terms of podcasting and afterwards, like the post show, like it's not on the episode, but you know, we wrap up and then like with you and me last time, like you, we, we, we stay chatting and it's really fun. And, but it was just, I thought it was very powerful to have yeah. a partner on and just describing his wife disappearing, seeing his wife disappear, yeah. the horrible things. And then just picking up everything, you know, uh, bringing the kids to school and then, you know, she's on and she's like, she's still like amidst the taper, 50 milligrams of Valium she was at the time, I think. So pretty symptomatic. So brave. Both yeah. of them so brave. I was like, so, so in awe. There are caregivers that really do want to help. Yeah. How is your partner? Remind me your partner's name again. I'm sorry. Frank. Frank. Okay. So remind me how Frank handled that. And has he shared with you kind of how it's been? Um, it. I think it really got to him. Um. We, because we were, we we both went into these meetings with a psychiatrist and asked you know and he we were both trusting in them um but then me getting the seizures and uh it got i got really dark and okay so i got really really dark um and then you know a few days later that would would pass but i think it's so taxing i think it traumatized him as well absolutely yeah H however you know he he's been with me on this journey um he's totally like cheering me on to do the podcast series. Um, he's just such a good team player. He's He just gives me all the space to do what I need to do. He, he Well, especially in acute withdrawal, he fed me. He even stayed uh, at home from work, stayed in from work just to take uh -huh. care of me or because he was very worried that something might have happened. Yeah. Um, so he really sacrificed a lot, um, but it really did take a toll on him. But we talk about it. You know, we process it together. And honestly, you and I are both very blessed then because we had a support. I know so many people who don't have that. And I'm sure you've run across so many people who don't have that. And that is Definitely. so huge for what we go through. Just have that person that you know is your rock, is always there. It loves you, you know, unconditionally and it's not going anywhere. Man. And he you know. really advocated for me too when I, I needed him to because I remember I had this one um, uh, appointment with my psychiatrist and I had to come in that day. And I was having a seizure, so I obviously oh, wow. wasn't going to show up. And then, you know, my Frank calls the psychiatrist and she's like, I thought he was okay. Well, no, he's not. You know, he's having yeah, seizures. Yeah, he's just having so. a seizure. Don't worry about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, you know, they, you know, the psychiatrists don't understand that you can have really intense waves. Anything yeah. can happen. I mean, my seizures are pretty kind of, you know rare i guess but still it, it is possible anything is possible and in, mm -hmm. in a benzo taper um so he really advocated for me when i needed be and especially in the beginning when i, I, I there were days i could not formulate sentences yeah. i was in really bad shape so then he would do that for me or just say this is what i'm seeing happening he's not sleeping he's not eating he's losing weight fast um so he was really advocating for me um, and I just, just having him as my support, because if, if it wasn't for him, I couldn't have made, I wouldn't have been able to make the podcast series. Oh, so yeah. he's really, he's really like, he's really like, I don't know how to make a podcast episode series. And you're the one that's, you know, knows your benzos. You go do that. And 
do go help save the world as you will just right. you do your thing advocate sp spread awareness so he's really cool i'm kind of at the crossroads where I, I will always keep making the well until i you know a certain age or whatever um i love doing this and i i i, I will do this even if i will get a job you know that's kind of where the crossroads i'm at um because if I was just, if I didn't have to worry a lot about income, I'm not worrying a lot, but if income was not a thing, if I'd be rich, like example, I just wanted to do full-time benzo awareness stuff. All the, you know, I love it. four days. Yeah. I, I just want to go to like GP offices and, 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 and pharmacies and trying to spread yeah. the word. Maybe even go um, travel Europe and try to spread the word. And I really hope at some point I'll be able to connect all the, you know, the the people that are really advocating for the cause. You know, yeah. I met this wonderful lady, for example, in in the UK in London, but it's like one region, a borough they call it. Okay. Um, her name is Melanie Davis. I had her on the show, and she's she's wasn't harmed by benzos herself, but um, she did see it in a, like personal environment. And she's been advocating for the cause for like 30 years. Oh, that's amazing. And she, she has a support group and she advocates for the patients by, you know, writing letters and she's working with a psychiatrist and also like basically what you guys are doing, but like very regional in London. I'm like, yeah. there are so there's like I said, there's a wealth of wisdom. There's a wealth of people there with is. lived experience. If we all just utilize this, you know. And I think, you know, I'm still kind of amidst withdrawal away, even though I paused it. So yeah. I, I, I'm really stable. But um, and with the COVID thing, you know, um, I, I've been blessed that I haven't gotten COVID yet. Um, but in my country, in the Netherlands, they're um, popping. They're, they're, they're are coming documentaries on TV. They're, they're finding people with long COVID that are just unable to work and have some yes. you know, issues. But when you hear them describing their... Um, symptoms you know brain fog isn't it funny it's like this yeah. sounds like benzos i'm exactly. like whoa yeah 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 and i think i just want to thank you um on behalf of the whole community and you know for making your podcast series oh well thank and you and for being so loyal because we i know that i can always expect an episode you know, not far from the future. Thank you, no. And something else that I wanted to share with you, because um, when I first found Geraldine Burns' uh, podcast, and then I found yours, and you have like a history, you know, it's, it's. I think the, the episodes go back, way back, you know? So even if you're not getting feedback now, there may be someone five years from now that is going to find your podcast and you're going to validate and save that person. So even if the numbers are not, not there now, they... Well, they, you're probably you getting know, it now. You're on like what thirty five or something like that. So you're probably starting to get some feedback from one, two, and three that you know you did a while ago, and you know. And yeah, it's I mean, I, I mean, I, I just, I, I remember when I was, um, I was in Benzo Buddies, and then someone from Belgium, and they speak Dutch too. Um, so in, in kind of it's its own kind of Dutch, and he was like, I really appreciate your podcast. So they, they were messaging me through Benzo Buddies because I guess they found my handle or whatnot. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I've, I've gotten good feedback and I'm just trying to do my best. I'm still in withdrawal. So I'm like, I'm just I'm just winging it, you know, and I'm learning as I go. I think we had this conversation earlier when we just had that chat on the phone. But um, I, I think it's interesting because I think being still in it is what makes in part makes our podcast effective. I'm still in it eight years out. And, you know, I just had this big wave come through after COVID and everything else. You're still in it. You're still tapering, still figuring out your next step. Yep. And I, I'm not saying that people that are fully healed aren't good podcasters in the Benzo world, but there's something about the relational, you know, the, 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 
again, I can't think of the right word, but people can relate to us because mm -hmm. we're still in it and we still, and we're reminded of it. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's relatable. Yeah, definitely. And sometimes I have to be honest, sometimes I was a little bit scared because I, again, I really thought like a few people may listen and I wasn't expecting a lot at first. Yeah. Um, but I was like, what if I get really severe symptoms? And you know, what if it doesn't go well? And I was kind of, you know, oh, what do I do? And I just, I'm just honest. Yeah, you know, I, exactly. I always, when I make a personal taper episode, I always do it when I'm stable. Always always do that when I'm stable, but I will be honest. I'm like, you know, I went through a really rough patch. And that's a balance I think you and I both have to find, which is, you know, being honest, but also being somewhat positive. And that's always the kind of tricky thing because, you know, it's easy for like, when I talked about that last one, that last um, um, COVID, the long COVID thing and kicking off a new wave, I got some feedback and people were just really disappointed and stuff like that because it sounded like, you know, well, God, you're eight years out and now you're having this problem. It's like, okay, so I have to go back and add the caveats and I'm going, look, I'm always going to be honest with you and share with you what I'm going through. At the same point, I am still significantly better than I've ever been. There's other circumstances that affected my well-being and caused this like long COVID and other things. So, you know, but so often the people that listen to us think that will be me. You know, I'm, I know, right. I know for sure, eight years out, I'm going to still, you know, be in the middle of this. And it's like, no, most likely you won't. All the odds are in your favor that you won't be anything like me. You know, all the odds are in your yeah. favor, you won't be like you. You you kindled, had multiple drugs, you know, yep. cold turkey. <laughs> you did everything you're not supposed to do because you didn't yes. know better, you know. Yes. And, and so that's going to make it harder for you. So, you yep. know, for those people that aren't doing the things we did wrong, yeah, yep. you're most likely going to have a better path. You know, yeah. and I and I would also say because I know how dark it can get and I, I know how sick people can get. Yes. But that is not um, eternal. That will end. That will get better. It in the end, it does get better. So and I think, you know, Absolutely. I always kind of like wrap up on that one. I had one episode that was pretty kind of bad because, well, not the episode was bad, but I was not doing great. And I had to updose because I because of seizures, um, yeah. that episode. Um, but I, you know, I, I, I went up to five and I was like, you know, guys, I wasn't expecting getting seizures yeah. after holding for a while. Um, I'm disappointed. But, you know, I always end up like being hopeful, like, OK, it totally sucked. But, you know, I'm still here. I almost died, but I didn't. I'm still hanging on here. And in a way, this podcast series is also kind of a lifeline. Like, hey, I'm going to try. I'm I, I, Because I want to. There's so many reasons why I want to get out of this or just stabilize, get better, whatnot. I want to be there for my partner, but I want to be there for the community. And I also really want to advocate for, yeah. you know, and, and make a difference. There's exactly. a reason that this happened to me. And I love me, that. You know, yeah. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm excited talking to you um, because just the energy and the passion you have for this is palpable. You know, it's just amazing. It's like, and so I really value that. Oh, and I love you. hearing that in your voice and all you've done. And I mean, all we need is just more people like you <laughs> and duplicate that and, and keep this effort going and get, you know, but I, I, you have the energy. I think you have the interest. You got the background in social work. You know, you have all the pieces and I'm just excited for having you on the, t on the, on the international team, you know, to Thank be you. helping everybody. This is great work. So you do a lot of great work and I appreciate it. Thank you so much. And I'm very, very grateful for you too. Well, thank you. Yeah. So I wonder if we should um, wind things up here. I want to close out with a couple of things um, for you before we do that. Um, I always like to end up with one thing, which is if you had one piece of advice for people going through benzo withdrawal that you could just leave anybody with, 
what would that be? Educate yourself. Educate yourself. And it's not a race. And where would you recommend they do that? What's your favorites? Oh, my favorites. Well, the Asher Manual is a good um, thing to start. But actually, the best thing is the that thing, um, the deep prescribing guidelines of the Colorado Consortium. Oh, great. That is okay. gold. That okay. is gold. It will it will also refer to the Asher Manual. But that yes. that is, it's basically the revamp. It's like all we know now. These are guidelines. It's it's gold. That's that's the best thing. That's the best thing. You know, I, that's a, that's a first time I've heard that from the community, not from the professional community, but from the benzo community. And I appreciate that because I I, I don't think I've really emphasized those on my channel. And I, maybe I should. I never really kind of thought that direction, but I, I need to write some stuff and maybe kind of promote that for people to go access that because the people that behind that, like I said, it's people from BIC and Alliance and BOG yeah, that kind of all work together. Yep. They all work together. Yep. And we got those three documents out. And I, I, you know, you're right. They're, they're really good standards for people to go to and use. So it's a good reminder. And it's good Thank for you. patients. It's good for uh, yeah. prescribers or deprescribers. Right. So you can, and because I think I said it in one of the episodes when I actually put a link in for the, for this document and I just praised it a lot. I was like, guys, you know, the Ashton manual, that's like, if you want to print that out and take it with you, that's like a, a lot of papers, just do the Colorado thing. It refers to the Ashton manual and it's kind of, it's just more updated. It's more in the now. It's like what we know now. It is like, updated. Yeah. I mean, Ashton is the Bible and love it to death, but you're right. There's some, some things have changed. We've learned some things. There's some new terminologies There's some new realizations that, yeah, everything needs to get updated eventually. You know, and and that includes the Ashton Manual. But I, I'm glad you brought up also the Shane Kenny movie because that one was so great because they've had both of Heather Ashton and it had yeah um, Malcolm later Malcolm later and I love seeing both of those in a movie. It's like wow, it's because two powerhouses of the Benzo yes. movement, you know. Um, and so it was great to see them both in that movie. So anybody who hasn't checked that out, um, I'm glad you brought that up. So check out your podcast where you're 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 talking about that, and check out the movie because that's great reference. So. And I'll make sure yeah. I put links to all these things in, in the show notes for this podcast so cool. so they can check you out. Um, yeah, so first of all, where do people go to hear your podcast? Right. Benzo Tired is available on Spotify and Google Podcasts. Excellent. And they just, just um, yeah, search for Benzo Tired and they'll find it. It'll come up. Yep. Benzo okay. Tired, it'll come up. Awesome. Do you have a website or anything else right now? No. Okay. Nothing. One of these days, though, we'll get you out there with one. You gotta get you. I'm just up. very busy creating um, episodes, and right, whoever no. I just got like today, someone is making a documentary in the UK, and she was like, "Do you want to like be a part of the documentary?" I'm like, "Yes, yes." I like. <laughs> I'm just very busy trying to advocate. And I know how that feels. I know how that feels, <laughs> and, and you know, it's only going to keep building, and it's great. But also, take care of yourself on the way because you don't want to. You know, that's, I'm still learning that. I'm still naive in the whole self care thing. And I'm, I'm learning that this past year that, you know, I pushed myself too far. Um, and just the self-care is something to always pay attention to. You're only, you're not helping anybody if you, you know, hurt yourself. The oxygen so. mask theory, I believe. Exactly. Yeah. Put it on your face first before you put it on anybody with you. Definitely. Thank you so much for having me on your show. This has been a pleasure. This has been a pleasure. And I'll, I'll be, I guess I'll be on yours here shortly soon too. So we'll Definitely. be talking on yes. both podcast and I, I i look forward yes. to that conversation i'm sure we'll have plenty more things to talk about when we get there definitely for sure thank you so All much right. well thanks for taking the time and it was a pleasure having you on thanks take care okay bye thank you naftal i just want to i just want to share my appreciation for not only taking the time to speak with us today but also for all the work you're doing and um 
and the vision you have and the energy you have and the passion you have for helping people. It's great. It's fantastic. We need more people like you. And I'm, I'm grateful that you're out there doing what you're doing. So thank you so much. Our next scheduled episode is episode 124. And it will, be, it will be released if I can talk. <laughs> I'm mumbling my words. You could tell in the intro I was mumbling. And, of course, I'm recording this outro. I like to call it an outro sometimes, the closing. I'm recording this outro right after I recorded the intro because the whole conversation in the middle that you heard was recorded, you know, about four days ago, three days ago. Anyway, you didn't need to know that. But I shared it with you anyway. <laughs> Episode 124 will be released next month, um, but if not before that, we'll probably might even put out something there mid-month. I always have blog posts. I try to do two to three of those a week, so if you're not subscribed to our newsletter or on um, logged in as a as a um, or created a profile on our site, do so. That's where you can learn about all the stuff we go and all the content that's happening. So, but thanks for joining us today. I really appreciate it, and don't forget to let us know how we did. Keep calm taper slowly, and take care of yourself. And I will see you next time. Thanks.